the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Program, the Friday edition of the Word to Stand on for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And we're here as we are every weekday at 4 o'clock on AM 630, The Word. We're here to take your phone calls and answer your questions. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. 340-9585. You can also call us toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email your questions by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. Or you can send them in via our free mobile app. And if you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the KSLR mobile app. Hit the banner on the word to stand on and the call now button, and you will be connected directly to the studio for your question. The program is always better with your live calls and questions. Well, as we told you yesterday, we're broadcasting from Plano, Texas, the Calvary Chapel, Texas, Oklahoma Pastors Conference. Uh, We're having a great time. One of the great things about being here uh, on uh, 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 Pastors Conference as I get to invite friends and family members in to share. Yesterday we had the ladies from Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, uh, but today I have two of my really, really dear friends here, uh, two men who spoke uh, today, addressed the, the session of the senior pastors, and I thought it would be a great opportunity to invite them in and share their hearts with the program. They blessed me abundantly. Uh, Tim Ro- Roosevelt is here with us from Beaumont, Texas. Uh, I understand they have alligators there. And Johnny Knox is here from Longview, Texas. Uh, both dear friends of mine. We've known each other a long time. Uh, they've watched me grow old, and I've watched them grow in the Lord. So it's been a, a really, really great opportunity. Guys, welcome to the program. Thanks for taking the time out. Well, thank you for having us, Ron. Yes, thank you, Ron. Uh, let's start the program today. And as I told you privately, we'll be we'll be interrupting if people call and they have questions, and the questions can be about anything. Um, Tim, just in case you need to know, if somebody wants a full exposition of Ezekiel chapter one, Johnny said, "Give it to you." Oh no no no! Tim told me he was the expert. <laughs> uh, well, Tim, you spoke first this morning, so why don't we start with you? Give us a little bit about your background, how long you've been in Beaumont, how you got to Beaumont, and and just share a little bit of what you shared this morning. Yeah, um, came to Beaumont about thirteen uh, years ago. Came out of. Um Calvary Chapel uh, New News in Virginia, Tony Clark's church, and um, uh, just well taught and um, equipping us for the work of the ministry. Uh, good guy, Tony Clark. Um, and so we've been there. We, we started in our garage. Um, I told my brother we started in our garage, and he said, you know, um, Kodak started in their garage. So <laughs> it was really encouraging. Yeah, so um, we started in our garage there in um, Beaumont, Texas, and um, we moved to a, a, a hotel. 
and then we um, the Elegante, and then we end up moving to um, a facility, a building, and we kind of couldn't manage that. Then we went back to the Elegante, and now we're at a community center, and so we're flourishing, we're growing in God's grace and His knowledge. And um, just to cover some of the things I uh, spoke on this morning, I talked about um, how we need to glorify God, and I looked at the paralytic man and. Um, in Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26, and it really spoke volumes to my heart this um, this new year in January, how I lost my, my, um, my brother-in-law, and there's just so many questions of what was going on, and so many death was around me, and I just cried out to God, when, God, what, what is going on, and what's our purpose in life, and he said, sit down, I'll tell you. And it's to glorify God. And so, and that's what um, God has put in my heart um, to remember that as we're going through things in life, that it's not about us, it's about Jesus Christ, and to continue to keep our eyes focused on Him. And tell the audience, uh, our audience is all South Texas, give a little bit of background on the, the ethnic diversity of the areas that you live in, the, the, the makeup racially and ethnically, but also of your church. Um, it's about. Uh, Beaumont, Texas, Southeast Texas, the Golden Triangle. It's about 185,000 um, people. Um, we have a mixture of um, African Americans, um, Caucasians, Asians. Um, you see that especially in Port Arthur. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, our church is um, predominantly Caucasian. We have some Hispanics. We have African Americans, but predominantly um, Hispanics. I mean, uh, um, Caucasians that were, came from California. So our church is actually um, is, is um, have grown and um, from people just transplants from California. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only um, I'll say about two percent of the residents there in Southeast Texas attend the church. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's interesting. How the audience obviously can't see you, but you're an African American. Oh, am I? Sure. <laughs> and and you know I I, I, I I always love the way God kind of weaves things together. Uh, Paul and I, you know, we tease each other. Why would God send a white dude from Iowa and a black woman from Los Angeles Ooh. to a Hispanic city in San Antonio wow, Texas wow. to do a work? But but God's always seems to be mixing things up, and yes. that's what the body of Christ is supposed to look yes. like. It's supposed to look like the place that you live in. Yes. Yes. Good. Johnny, you're from Longview, Texas. Talk about a little bit about your background. Uh, I grew up in northeast Texas, uh, Mount Vernon, Texas, which is about an hour north of Longview. So I'm, I'm from that area. We've been there. Uh, it will be nine years, May the 1st. We started a study in our home, and uh, eventually we outgrew our home, and we went into a lease spot on the south side of Longview, which we've been there now for about five years. Uh, one of the <clears throat> things about Longview, and I didn't really realize that until probably three or four years ago, is a young, Longview is known for a high crime rate. Hmm. I didn't even, I did, I didn't realize. I've been around, you know, this area. I mean, if, where I lived, I lived out a small little east Texas town. So if you wanted to go anywhere, you you went to Longview, you went to Tyler to to hang out. So I never knew necessarily how. Some parts of Longview is, is are very bad, and so the Lord has put us on the south side of Longview, and our fellowship is made up of some transplants and some people uh, that live there. But one of the things that Margaret and I have been praying about, and really what the Lord spoke to our hearts about this weekend, is what does the Lord want us to do to reach the south side of Longview? which is where we're located. Longview is kind of divided by Highway 80. You you have the north side and you have the south side. And the south side is, is known for uh, just high crime and, and just different situations. And we're just burdened for that side of Longview more so than the other side. And it's just something that the Lord has grown in us and we're, we're seeking Him. And what does He want us to do? Because we want to see more color in our fellowship. And that's just uh, just one of the things the Lord's been doing in us this, this past year, really. John, your message this morning um, was very serious, very dynamic, and uh, it was it was all about humility. Yes. Um, why don't you share with the audience a little bit about what these nine years uh, have been like for you and for Margaret, your wife, and and a little bit about that 
growth that you've had to experience, the, the, the personal issues that you've had to deal with. Um, one of the things that, that I, I learned early on and I shared today is, and I didn't really realize it at the time, was I was going to encounter certain situations that the Lord would put me in that I would really see what's going on in my heart and where my character's at. And as I shared this morning, I, I had a, a circumstance early on that I could not get away. The only way I could get away from the circumstance is if I was to quit doing what I was doing. That would be the only way to get away from it. But the Lord made it plainly clear this is where He called us and this is what He's doing. And there's no two ways about you're going to escape this situation. And so as I was basically just kicking the tires and thinking, man, this is really unfair. I'm not very happy about the situation. And I really want some justice in the midst of this situation. That's never a good place to be. A friend of mine gave me a book by Andrew Murray, and the title was Humility. And it's a dynamic book. I read it once. I was like, wow, that's a, that's a cool read. And then I went back to it two or three times, and about the fourth time, the Lord really grabbed my heart what the issue was. It wasn't the circumstance. It, it was how I was responding in the midst of the circumstance. And really the key issue was my unwillingness to humble myself where the Lord had me and really trust Him in what He's doing uh, in me and through me amidst this. It was one of those things that you're not going to go around it. You're not going to go over it. You're going to have to trust me and go through it. And so early on, the Lord... Uh, really started imprinting upon my heart uh, the importance of humility. Now, this is something I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. this is not you you got a no, 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 no. This is See, something Tim, I'm we, we learning. He's old as you will have all this stuff perfect. <laughs> and uh, what I've seen over the past nine years is, um, if you want to boil down what humility looks like, it, it's found in just two words: it's yes and Lord, yeah. regardless of what the yes looks like. And God's been very faithful um, to sustain us, to encourage us, to give us what we need when we need it. But in the midst of really all of his goodness, as I shared this morning, uh, I found that, that I had certain kind of thought patterns that I would go to when things got tough. And I realized at age 47, uh, I'm not going to grow out of this stuff, <laughs> you know. And I started thinking about my kids and this and that. And I'm, I'm like, if, if we're going to continue, I really need to allow the Lord to touch that place in my heart that I have a tendency to go to when things don't go according to plan or whatever. And, and so basically, to be honest with you, the past three months, one of the things the Lord's really impressed upon me is, you know, you're spending your time teaching the Bible and reading the Bible. But in the midst of all that, you're not really spending time with me. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. If anybody has questions for either Tim or Johnny, we'd love to take them. I'll take any questions that you have as well. Three four zero ninety five eighty five, or toll free eight seven seven six three zero KSLR. You know, uh, Tim, Johnny. One of the things that we had to deal with. Oh, let's take a phone call first, and then we'll go on to to what I had. Harold is calling San Antonio on line one. Harold, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hello, Pastor Ron. It's been a while since I called there. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, good I'll, to hear from you again. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I was listening to the show, and that young man there, well, he said he's 45. Oh, uh, 42. He looks, he's, the hill yet, he said, you know? he, said he, he said he's 47. He looks 30. <laughs> okay, great, great. Yeah. And he said something about Longview. Is that by Tyler, Texas, and all that? Yes, sir, it is. Is, is he from Tyler, Texas? Is that what he was saying? Uh, no, sir. I, I'm from. I am from Northeast Texas. I, I grew up in Mount Vernon, which is is north of Longview. It's it's Mount Vernon is an hour away from everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's an hour away oh, from okay. Tyler. And yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's where I heard the word no, but uh, because I resonate with that, my mother. 
Houston, Texas, by Henderson. And, you know, we grew up over there around kids in the summertime, you know, by Tyler and all that stuff. Uh, I'm 62 now. My mother's 82. And we had a family over there called the Nickel. They had cattle and they had all this mess and, you know, all this good stuff, water and uh, those little bitty school towns and stuff like that. But I just wanted to share that with you. And, uh, it, you know, it's good to hear that someone's old. And I have a cousin there. She's probably 65 that lives in uh, Tyler, Texas also. I got some people well, over there. Harold, okay, cool. Hey, we have another dear friend, yeah. uh, another another pastor, Tim, who is uh, the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Tyler, Texas. So, if you've got family there, uh, tell them to call Pastor Tim or call the church office, uh, Calvary Chapel in Tyler, and tell them Pastor Ron told you to call, and uh, uh, they'll reach out and, and help. So, thank you for calling, Harold. I appreciate it very much. Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions uh, for Tim and Johnny, both of you. You know, one of the things that, that we 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 often uh, forget as pastors is that nothing happens until we get over ourselves. Mm. It's not about us. Anytime we cry unfair, you know, if if I drop over dead, uh, I'm dead. I, it doesn't matter what you say, what you do. It doesn't matter how you look at me. Uh, I can't be offended because I'm dead. And we are supposed to be dead. We who are pastors are teaching that truth, which means we're more accountable to live that truth. And there are a lot of things that seem to be unfair. And we always have to remember, Tim, don't we, that we have to look at the cross because that was really the only unfair thing. Amen. 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 You, you know, when, as you were speaking, I was thinking about the sovereignty of God and, you know, how he is sovereign. You know, he has the supreme power and he can just do whatever he wants. And I think like Jesus, when he was in the garden, he said, not my will, God, but thy will be done. Um, and, and so let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And that's the attitude that we have to have as pastors, as Christians, as servants, is that um, we're here to serve the people, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And I think sometimes we forget that, that we think, well, it's about me. I'm uncomfortable, and this should have went. But God said, my thoughts is not your thoughts, neither my ways your (laughs) ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so I am higher than you. And and I think that's just coming to the conclusion of the whole matter, is just saying that God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to do, and he will, and and that he knows what's best. Father knows what's best for us, and his decisions, you know, are always, you know, just what's best, and and it's filtered through his love. And I think that's how we basically have to see it, that that God is, is God, and he sits on the throne. He sees the beginning from the end, and he knows how things are going to turn out, and it's always through His grace and His mercy and His love for us. Yeah, you know, Tim, you, you said something that struck a chord with me. You know, I think sometimes we pastors um, get into a place, um, um, a very unhealthy place spiritually, but we get to a place where we think the church is there to serve us instead of the other way around. Yes. And I'm always reminded that Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. And, and as stunning as that is, can you imagine having God wash your feet? We just have our ladies who come off a, a big women's retreat. And and the most powerful moment of the retreat is always the foot washing. And there's 80, 90 ladies who have their feet washed and others God's trying to work on. And uh, it's so humbling. But imagine yes. Jesus washing your feet. Truth is, he's already done that for you and for me. Yes. Uh, imagine what it would be like when you first saw Jesus as he would go around that table and beginning to wash the feet of his disciples. He would start with the betrayer. Hmm. If wow. anybody ever could have said, unfair, yeah. it was Jesus. Yes. Yeah. And, and our job is to raise up people to serve the Lord, not raise up people to serve us. And to do that, we've got to be lost. Johnny, that's why your word today on humility was so important. Hey, uh, would you give, we got somebody who wanted to know uh, the name of that book again and the author on humility. It's uh, Andrew Murray, and, and the title is Humility. Yep. You should be able to get it on Amazon fairly easy. Yeah, and I recommend a lot of Andrew Murray's stuff from time to time. Uh, the Holiest of All is a book yeah. that impacted my early walk with the Lord significantly. Three zero zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions. Uh, Tim, tell us a little bit about your family. Well, I was actually born in um, Buffalo, New York. Um, 
through a broken home. And my mom raised us, my brother and I. I have a brother that's um, four years older than I, and he's not saved. And he had gotten involved in a lot of things, occults and things like that. And um, But I was born in a broken home in a bad neighborhood and, and overcame those things to give my life to Jesus Christ. Um, my testimony is, you know, just one and womanizer and um, partier. And as I gave my testimony this morning and um, became, you know, um, uh, um, someone that party with Rick James, someone that would be at the parties and see Rick James and Eddie Murphy at the parties, and you know that was my life, and that's what I longed for, and um, and that faded away, um, and then you know giving my life to Christ and running to the Navy, joining the Navy, and um, trying to get away from all kinds. I think of John. You know, just <laughs> running away from God and running right into His His will, as um, the Calvary Chapel there in Newport News, um, Virginia, and um, just rededicating my life to Christ and seeing that I had to surrender. I had to surrender my life, and and and, and that's my life. And you know, just hearing the voice of God and being sensitive that it wasn't about me. It was about his will that he had. And so eventually God put it on my heart to come to Southeast Texas and start this non-denominational church because I had to tell other people that, you know, this verse by verse, this good news, this expository teaching, you know, it's wonderful. And because we were never getting that taught up. Yeah, taught. and I think I think it was was practice in Beaumont and in, in, in the whole region down there prior to you getting there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and just teaching God's word. And... um you know, getting the opportunity to meet Chuck Smith, you know, when making my trip to California, and that was a life-changing um, encounter, seeing someone who's um, very humble, but yet was there in his golf cart picking up trash in the parking lot. Um, and, and so, you know, what an example of a servant, a servant's heart. And so um, that's what i seen, and that's um, uh, encouraged me to have that servant's heart, if you can see someone who founded the Calvary Chapel movement, um, and to be able to serve and to, like you mentioned, to wash people's feet. And so that's that's my background, is just really um, knowing that God has always been there. I've always sensed it, but didn't know it. And then now mm -hmm. you come to know Jesus as your own personal Lord and Savior. Like, I have to tell someone else. It's like one beggar <laughs> telling another beggar where he found bread. Yeah. Like, I got to tell someone about this good news. <laughs> so you got, you've got the direction. You know where to go. Yes. Johnny, you, you uh, shared today that you were late getting married and, and having children. Uh, tell us a little bit about your family background. Um, I just grew up in a, a typical East Texas family. Uh, my dad worked at uh, Texas Utilities there in Mount Pleasant, Texas. Um, parents are great people. They had a good marriage, uh, hardworking, instilled values into their children. Uh, but I did not grow up in a, a Christian home. Uh, I grew up in a home that was very antagonistic uh, against Jesus due to a bad experience at a church and then due to family members uh, who, that's excuses, but uh, one of the things I have learned is a lot of that stuff bled on to me and I had such an attitude towards the Lord. Uh, I wasn't wild or anything like. I mean, my testimony is totally boring. I'm not hanging out with Rick James or Eddie Murphy, you know. Yeah, you know when, I, when, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm like, you know, Rick James, Eddie Murphy, you know. When Tim said this morning that he wore the clothes and the hat and everything else, I tried to get that picture, picture. in your mind. You know, I was dread. wondering if he did he have those blonde dreads and stuff. And I'm like, I, you know, not go that far. I didn't go that far. Um, I mean, I, I just I, the thing that that really the Lord gripped my heart with is I had such a view of Christianity as just a religion. And I saw within my friends who were part of the CA and, and different things, they were out doing stuff that I was not doing, so why would I want to be a part of that stuff? Um, I graduated high school. I didn't really have any plan other than the fact that my dad told me, you will be working somewhere, you will have a job. I worked construction in Beaumont for about a year after I graduated, and then I decided I would go to school, but I knew that I was going to need a job. Uh, I ended up in 
a machine shop, Cypress Springs Enterprises. We made aircraft parts. The shop foreman there, uh, who was Rocky Christenberry, was a Christian. We ended up becoming very good friends, even though there was an age gap. There was about a seven-year age gap, mm-hmm. and he was married. He had two young kids. We became really good friends. One of the things that the Lord really the Lord spoke to me through Rocky was his authenticity. I, I saw Jesus in him at the job. He wouldn't participate in in, in inappropriate jokes and and all this other stuff. You, you just knew that when you were around it. He, he was a he was a thermostat. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a thermometer. And so the more I got to know him, the more I got to be around his family. The Lord used him to really speak to my heart and, and talk to me about relationship. Now, you know, one of the things that's true, I think, for every one of us who has any kind of a testimony, boring or otherwise, is that we look back from the perspective of where we are now, and what we, we realize is that Jesus was chasing us. He was surrounding us, and, yeah. and uh, at one point, uh, he was determined he was going to win your heart, and that's exactly what he did. Well, we'll be back in a couple of minutes after the break. You're listening to The Word to Stand On for Life, my special guest. Tim Roosevelt and Johnny Knox pastors were at the Realities of Ministry Conference in Plano, Texas. 340-9585 for your live calls or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. We'd love your live calls. Robert, we'll get you on the other side of the break. We'll be back in two minutes. To the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back. We've got 30 minutes left in this week. Hey, by the way, tonight, since I'm in Plano, uh, Pastor Chris Garcia, who is our Spanish language pastor, will be teaching our Friday night Bible study. I don't know what he's going to be teaching on, but knowing Pastor Chris, you'll have a blast, and he will bless your heart. Uh, and he's going to do it in English, even though he's our Spanish language pastor. He's going to do it in English. So we'd invite you to come at 7 o'clock uh, at, uh, at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. I'll be back in church on Sunday, uh, and we will be in opening up Romans chapter 4. Uh, and then the next two weeks, believe it or not. We've got to get ready for Easter. We've got Palm Sunday coming up and then Easter Sunday. Uh, our Easter Sunday is going to be April the 16th at the Judson High School Performing Arts Center. Um, it's big enough. We have plenty of room. Uh, invite family, friends, unsaved people. People always, always, always get saved at our Easter services. So maybe somebody you're praying for is somebody you can invite. And maybe it's someone who won't come to a church environment because you know what they think about all those Christians. But they'll come to a place like that because after all, it's Easter. Come to church with me and they'll be saved. God always reaches people at Easter. So that's April the 16th. We have the two services, 8.30 and 10.45. Um, lots and lots of room, 1,000-seat auditorium, so we'll be, be more than able to accommodate all of you. Okay, one more time, 340-9585. Let's go to Robert. Robert, thanks for holding over the air. You're on the radio. Hi, Pastor Ron. Um, Hi, Robert. Get a uh, track here for a little bit from you guys' uh, conversation uh, with our recent death and the family uh, has opened the door with a lot of discussion with uh, other friends and families and so forth. And uh, we got on the topic of actually talking about burials versus cremation. And uh, although I think this is probably uh, something the way Paul described about disputable matters, but can you offer up some uh, scriptures to support either the uh, you know the support of uh, cremation or not supporting cremation according to the Word of God? Uh, Robert, really, there's no cremation. Here's the, here's the thing that we have to really understand about these old bodies. Uh, they're just a container. The real you, the real me, lives in this old body. And once this container's done, it doesn't matter what happens to it. So the matter, uh, uh, or the manner, rather, of burial 
is is not nearly as important as you know, Robert, uh, the, the destination where the real you is going to go the minute you take your last breath in this life, you're going to be in the presence of the Lord. But uh, cremation or burial, these are not only disputable matters, but they're matters of conscience. Whatever it is that you feel uh, is best, whatever you feel uh, is appropriate, uh, don't do any guilt, don't let anybody condemn you, because it really doesn't matter at all. In Jesus' day, they put people in tombs and, and rolled them, covered them with a stone. Often they were family tombs, so there would be multiple uh, bodies buried in the same tombs. Uh, uh, bodies have been being burned from the beginning of time, uh, but but bodies have been being buried uh, more more recently in history. Uh, it's the way we do it. One thing, and I'd like uh, Tim and Johnny to comment on this as well. Um, we, we've we've become so superstitious about death um, that that we we've kind of distorted it. Uh, as a pastor, I watch people in their lowest moments when they're hurting so deeply spend literally tens of thousands of dollars to bury an old body that really doesn't have any more value and they do they do it salespeople in in funeral homes are 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 often vicious and um um just do whatever makes sense tim what do you think a couple of scriptures come to come to mind. I think about First um, Corinthians chapter fifteen, uh, verses thirty-five through fifty-eight, and um, I think of First um, Thessalonians chapter four, verses thirteen to eighteen, the, the coming of the Lord, how the, um, the the dead in Christ will rise first, and that those that are alive will be caught up to be with the Lord. So, um, so I think I think about that, and just looking at First Corinthians fifteen, verse thirty-five, but someone will say how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come foolish one what you sow is not made alive unless it dies and what you sow you do not sow that the body that shall be but mere mere grain perhaps wheat or some other grain but God gives it a body as he pleases and to teach into each seed his own body and so I mean we know that God's going to give us a new body and you know for those that may have been um, burned up in a, a fire or something of that nature I mean we're going to still have a, a body a new body and I, I'm, I've been in the Navy and there's been some people that have been lost at sea so they never found their body so there's so many scenarios where we know that it's not about this body but it's the inward man the soul that's the, the life of the person uh, and so it's just something to look forward to that um, we're going to have a new body a body after his own body. My mom was cremated. When she died, she wanted to be cremated. So I know that one day, you know, she eventually gave her life to Christ, and I will see her again in a brand new body. Glorious. Amen. Physical resurrection body. Johnny, any thoughts? Uh, yeah, me too, Robert. I was, Believe me. I was th- thinking along the lines of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as well, uh, verses 3 and 4, the, just the content of Paul's gospel. For he said, For I delivered ye first of all, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins. Payment, payment's been made according to the Scriptures that he was buried. That's proof of the payment that's been made. And then again, he rose the third day according to the Scriptures. Christ was resurrected. It's the receipt we hold. Um, people die in car wrecks from fires people like he just pointed out uh, are lost at sea and when you think of someone lost at sea uh, water deteriorates the body Um, at the end of the day if we're saved we know Christ is our Savior we're covered by His blood we got the guarantee of going home to be with the Lord. And like he pointed out, we get a new, wonderful, glory body. We trade in this old war out thing. <laughs> as, as practically as I can put it, Robert, Paul and I have both decided to take the least possible expensive way to dispose of these old tents. I told Paul that she could just put me out in the backyard and yeah. pick at me. She doesn't want to do that, but we have decided that we are going to be cremated uh, just because I, I, I just can't get behind spending the kind of money that we've watched as pastors, people spend. Yes, it is outrageous. Outrageous. Uh, it, it, it's, 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 it's horrible when we're watching people who are in the middle of grief being taken advantage of by salespeople, really. Mm-hmm. And that's not an indictment of the whole funeral industry by any means. It's just something that can be avoided. Uh, we have already made the arrangement. 
instruments. We know exactly what's going to happen. And uh, if my memory serves, and at my age, maybe that's not the case, but I think we've got it down to less than $500 a piece mm-hmm. oh, wow. for our, for our in- entire funeral services. And, wow. And um, uh, that's, that's, I think, the same thing. It doesn't matter what we do with these old bodies, the old containers. And Robert, like you, uh, I can't wait to get rid of this old body and step into my new one. And every day that passes, I'm even more interested. You know, Johnny, I tell people all the time that in my new body, you know, John says we don't know what it is, but we know mine's going to be at least 6'3". I hope so. Uh, yep. I'm right there with you. Yeah, you're, my, you're my brother in shortness. That's here. right. So. I'm, I'm looking forward to maybe being a little taller as well. <laughs> and, and my voice, instead of sounding like Winnie the Pooh, it's going to sound like James Earl Jones. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward to. 340-9585. Guys, I've got a question from our uh, email inbox uh, anonymously sent. Question says, hello, I know this is a touchy subject, and I certainly don't mean to be rude or disrespectful. My question is, is it wrong to not to be understanding or accepting of the Muslim religion? I hear all the time that we should be uh, understanding and have patience with individuals that practice, but I disagree. To me, that's blasphemy, and I don't want. I want no part of anyone who believes in that religion. I respectfully ask for advice, direction on how to handle this situation. Thank you. Uh, before I throw this question to the guys, let me say this: the first thing that we need to understand is how much Jesus loves people, everybody, believers, unbelievers. It doesn't matter. And if you can say, uh, I want nothing to do with anybody that's a part of this religion, then you forget that they're not the enemy of your ministry, they're the object of your ministry. And that's really essential for us to understand. We have to love them. Mm. We love them because we have his heart. Romans 5.5 5 says God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of that love being poured out is twofold. One, to make us feel secure. But secondly, and I think more importantly, is to encourage us to share that love, that abundant love, the streams of living water that are within us with people who are lost. And it should break your heart, Anonymous. It should break your heart that anybody might die and go to hell regardless of the religion that they practice. So what do we do? We tell them the truth in love. Remembering again to be redundant, I know, but it's important that Muslims are just one of the objects of our ministry rather than the person of mm-hmm. our ministry. Johnny, would you like to comment on that? Uh, you, you you put it so well. <laughs> well one of the things that 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 come to mind in, in regards to to that is um, something of D.L. Moody. Uh, it was said that he would sit in his office and he would be in tears as he saw people walking outside of his office because he knew some of those people were not going to go home to be with the Lord. It, it brought a certain brokenness to him I think in regards to to that situation one of the first things we need to be is in an intercession that the Lord if he indeed provides the opportunity we would be equipped to be who we need to be amidst the opportunity and if the Lord in his grace is bringing somebody that that is caught up in, in Muslim religion in our sphere of influence I would like to think that the Lord is going to open that person's heart up to the gospel, and maybe He would use us to share that with that person. Yeah, and Tim, would you would you agree that you can be respectful of somebody uh, while emphasizing the difference, or even um, how strongly you believe they're wrong? And then you need to be willing to share your faith. You need to be yes. willing to tell the truth. Yeah, well, you know, just to show the love of Jesus Christ. I think that's the key to winning people, um, showing that love, because um, I'm, I'm reminded of a few verses in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. It says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, I want to read that one as well. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise 
as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not willing that any should perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. And I think, you know, that's the heart of Jesus. You, you know, is really, I don't think we have to eat and, 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 and dine with him in fellowship. I don't think that's it. It's just showing that compassion, that understanding, that long-suffering, that patience. The love for people, and I think that's what changed people—the love of Jesus Christ—and you know, and I think as we are demonstrating that love and not condemning them, we're not agreeing with their philosophies or their principles or their ideologies or anything or their beliefs. We just want to show them love, and um, and I think that's that's it, you know, and that really. Okay, do I need to eat with them, or do I need to fellowship with them, and all this, or do I need to go to their their mosque? Or no, but as you as they're our neighbors, as they're in the convenience stores, um, just showing respect towards them. Yeah, anonymous. I would add one more thing. I would add that maybe it would be good for you to spend some time uh, with the parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, the the Samaritans were hated by Jews. Samaritans didn't like Jews either, but but uh, Jews believed Samaritans were only slightly above Gentiles on God's destroy list, and they wanted nothing to do. And yet, it turns out it was the Samaritan who was the good neighbor. It was a Samaritan who went out of his way. The Apostle Paul says in one of the most famous chapters in our Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that it doesn't matter how much we know, it doesn't matter how much we do. If we don't know, if we don't do with love, then all we are is men who make noise, men and women who make noise. And whenever we write off a group of people, a race of people, a religion of people, we completely forget the heart of God. So don't let unfair characterizations of people, don't let, uh, for example, Islamic terrorists ever, ever cause you to forget how much Jesus loves them and how broken his heart is because they haven't yet found the way of salvation. They haven't yet found the answer for the one problem that plagues all of us. And whether it's somebody who practices Islam or somebody who practices Mormonism or somebody who's a Jehovah's Witness or somebody who's a Unitarian or a Universalist, uh, it, it doesn't matter. Except a man be born again, they're all going to end up in the same place, and that's spending eternity separated from Jesus. So thanks for the question. Thanks for listening. Sorry it took us a little long to get to the question. We've been out of town for a couple of days, so appreciate your patience. 340-9585 is a question that just came in from our mobile app, also anonymous. Um, this would be interesting to get your perspective on, guys. It says, I am a single male at church, and there is a woman who is interested in me, uh, yet I'm not interested in her. After gently explaining that to her, she still persists on engaging me toward a relationship. How do I tell her no? I am very uncomfortable talking to her. What can I do? Johnny, we'll give you, you're the youngest one here. Yes. So we'll, give you the, we'll give you first crack at that. <clears throat> oh, man. I, I, I was single for a long time. I didn't get married till I was 36. I didn't have a, a whole lot of girlfriends. I maybe had a couple. Um, I got to a, a play, and I was like one of the single guys in the church that I fellowshiped in where everybody knew I was single, and it was, you know, everybody's always trying to fix you up. Uh, one of the th- one of the the things the Lord really got me to to a place was being uh, content in my singleness, and so when someone approached me about f- fixing fixing me up, or maybe you know you you, you get the sense that this this girl may like you or, or whatever, I, I would simply not make it about rejection of them. I just say this is where I'm at with the Lord. Uh, I'm waiting for him to bring. I know he. Ha- I know this person's out there somewhere. He has me praying for this person, and I know in his time he's going to bring me exactly what I need and when I need it. And he did a good job. He brought me Margaret. Um, and then it doesn't make it so much about. Let's so say you married way over your head. Oh, she's exactly <laughs> right. That's no. That's no lie. And then you you don't make it about because I feel like what you you, you don't want to hurt this person's feelings. 
because you know they're going to feel rejected. Yeah, but well, Tim, is, is it true at some point you're going to hurt their feelings? Yes. Well, <laughs> yes. I, I would um, speak to either the um, the pastor or his wife, you know, and explain to them the situation or anything like that. That's what persistent and what keeps going on. So that um, just take it to like we used to say in the military, the chain of command, and just explain to them that you're not interested in um, this particular person. Can you? Please, one of the ladies talk to the other lady. Like, for example, if one of the ladies is dressing inappropriately, you have another lady to go and talk to her. And um, in the same type of situation, just explain to the pastor, maybe have one of the ladies that is in leadership at the church go and talk to this particular um, uh, female and explain to her, uh, her that, you know, what she's doing is inappropriate. Um, Would you both agree that this is a situation that has to be addressed? Yes, yes it's not going to go away. And, yeah. and, and is it true we have these situations happen in church all, all, the, time. Yeah. all the time? Most often, it's the other direction. Yeah. It's the man who's interested, and he goes up to the prettiest girl in the church and says, you know, God told me you're supposed to be my wife or something like yeah. that. And, and I think, you, you know, because it could escalate, there could be name calls and assumptions, assuming that reason why he don't want to date her is because he may, you know, have some other issues going on, like homosexuality or something else and so he really want to address it right away that he doesn't have any of those issues going on and that the lady needs to address it because if it keeps going on then she may lead to slander and may need to gossip and it may to lead to other things yeah and anonymous my, my final question would be uh, maybe a half a step down from what Tim said uh, I, I find a, a godly woman in the church um, you've gently explained it to her uh, she's rejected your ex explanation. Uh, I'd find a godly woman in the church and you and this godly woman go to her first and gently explain that your lack of interest is nothing more. It's nothing uh, personal. It's not physical. Uh, it, it's just nothing more than uh, I, I'm at the place in my life, like Johnny suggested, where uh, right now I'm, I'm content in my singleness and I'm not interested in pursuing this. And I wanted somebody that you could go talk to. Uh, we have to deal with the reality that feelings are going to be hurt. Um, do everything that we can to provide comfort uh, and care, understanding that this is a hard thing. You're interested in me. I'm not interested in you. I'm remembering always how much the Lord loves that. But I, I think the, the, the thing that I would do, at least at Calvary Chapel San Antonio, is have a godly woman go with me to talk to her first. If it had to go beyond that, then it becomes a pastoral issue, to be sure. And all of our wives are certainly capable of handling those kind of issues. But uh, Anonymous, I hope that uh, helps answer the question just a little bit. Let's go to line one. Ron calling from San Antonio. Ron, you're on the air. Hey, good afternoon, guys. How are you doing? Doing well. Um, my first time calling, in fact, the first time I'm listening to your show, and um, I heard you get gentlemen were discussing about the cremation issue. To be honest, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter how you go. It, 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 it doesn't matter how, who you're going to see, if you understand what I mean. But I do. I, I, heard, I, I heard somebody make mention that the moment one dies, there, there, there is, they're going to be with the Lord. What scripture do you have to back that up? And question number two, question number two, if one dies and goes straight to heaven or hell, what is the purpose of Jesus' second return? Because he wouldn't be coming back for those who are dead, because they would be already in heaven. So could you be kind enough, gentlemen, to explain to me from the scriptures um, what, what there is that when one dies, they go straight to heaven. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Ron, we, I, I can do that. They're, they're looking up for the, the, the scriptural addresses. But uh, Paul says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I believe, is the, the, the passage of scripture. Um, and, and it's simply this. We're, we're, we're in these bodies, the real us that lives in this body. Uh, when, the, when the physical body wears out, uh, we're, we're taken into the presence of the Lord. Uh, that's the 
promise we have. That's the great hope. So it's not a matter of we go somewhere and wait or we don't go to sleep. Um, we, we instantly go into the presence of the Lord. You know, and I was looking at First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, the coming of the Lord. I mentioned that earlier, but I do not want you to be an ignorant brother concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Uh, Johnny, we're inside three minutes, so uh, you have anything you want to add? No, thank you, guys. Okay. Again, remember, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's a, that's a, an important promise that Paul made to the church at Corinth. Regarding the other question, Ron, I think this is also essential. What's the purpose, then, of Jesus' second coming? Um, the, the reason he comes to earth is to fulfill all the promises to Abraham, all the promises to Moses, all the promises to David, the promises he made that came to fulfillment through Jesus Christ. He's going to come and rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. Now, before that happens, the church is going to be taken up. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is really clear. Uh, we who are alive will be caught up in the air. Uh, that's this, this departure, the thing that we call the rapture of the church. We're going to be in heaven with Jesus in our glorified bodies for seven years. Then when he comes back, he's going to bring his reward. That's us. He's going to bring his reward with him, and we are going to rule and reign in the millennial kingdom. Let me suggest to you reading, Ron, uh, the last chapters of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 60 through chapter 66, and, and get an idea of what the millennial kingdom is. It is a time when the world will be ruled with perfect justice and in perfect love. And yet we also know from the book of Revelation that at the end of the thousand years when the devil is once again let loose for a short time, he's going to be let loose to give the people a choice and the people are going to be deceived again, proving that the problem has always been men. It's always been our sin nature, the fact that we like to sin. And they're going to rebel against God, then he's going to destroy them with the word. Um, the great white throne judgment will happen and then eternal fates will be sealed forever. So there's a literal return of Jesus to earth. The rapture of the church is not the return of Jesus to earth. They're calling us to him. And then we get to hang out with him for a thousand years. Tim, Johnny, thank you for being here. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you for our conference today. Thank Thanks for joining us on the program. You've been listening to the Word to Sin and Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Remember, Pastor Chris Garcia teaching tonight. You can watch at calvarysa.com. God bless you. Lord willing, I'll be back on Monday. See you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.